recording is actually working. So I'm looking at the separate screen that tells me if the recording is working. Everything is recording. We've got some pasta material I can throw in there somewhere, maybe. <laughs> if I remember, which I won't. But hey, I have, I have an hour more of tonight than you do Probably with this hour. time change, so I have no excuse. This is Mike from the Use Gamers Podcast, welcoming you all to our episode 62. Uh, with me this evening is Chris. Hello there. Hi. So uh, if you guys happen to listen to the last episode, you know we're, gonna, we're trying a little bit of a, a different format, so uh, be sure to let us know what you think after you listen to it. Um, but basically, we're going to keep it kind of more basic, not as much focusing so much on reviews and things like that, because you can, of course, get those from all different kinds of more trusted and reliable sites than us. So we're just going to be more just talking about our opinions about different things kind of just in the gaming world. Uh, but first off, we usually like to start off with this. We're going to keep this pretty similar to what we used to do, where we kind of just give you a brief overview of the kind of games we've been playing. Uh, we're, like I said, we're not going to go into kind of a review format, but more just kind of general thoughts and maybe even something cool that stood out or something like that uh but anyway we'll go ahead and get started with that so chris why don't you kind of update us on, on any of your video game activity for the past month my video game activity so uh it's been a pretty even split between um newer stuff and older stuff and even the newer stuff is a little bit questionable so um, I don't think I talked about Plus this. To use gamers' way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is and yeah, and I'm 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 getting even further with that than than I have been in the past. So um, the basic, uh, I guess, division of time I've had has been between. Um, uh, I got a, a Wii U. I don't think I talked about that on the last episode because you know, in this year of 2020, what system would you buy if you had to spend your money on a system? A Wii U, of course. <laughs> Why would you not do that? Um, I saw a little. Uh, one of the um, accounts that I follow on Twitter, which is highly, highly recommended to anybody who would be interested in our show, is a guy named Wario64, who basically, I don't even know if it's a real person. I think it's just a bot of some sort that's forwarding on information. But anytime basically anything video game goes on sale anywhere, um, it will post an update to that. And it's the only account I have on Twitter that will update me live on my phone every time it tweets. So I get a lot of really useless stuff about Steam sales and cheap stuff on GOG and stuff like that that I don't care about. But... Then occasionally there'll be other things too. And there was an Amazon warehouse clearance sale on a bunch of stuff and they were clearing out systems. So for like 60 bucks, I got one that was actually in really good condition. The condition was listed as acceptable, which is one of the lowest ratings you can give it. But um, <laughs> the thing actually showed up really acceptable. well. Yeah, yeah. And it, but it, it came in the original box. It was missing a couple parts like the Wii sensor bar, which I already had one and some like stand to have the system sit vertically, which I'm never going to do. Um, but yeah, it came with two games. It's kind of a, a weird word because that, that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. No, definitely. And, I th and it was a bit of a risk too. I, and I double checked before I ordered it that I could return it if it ended up not being something that I wanted. But um, yeah, I mean, it came with a copy of Nintendo Land and a copy of um, Super Mario 3D World. Yes. Um, both in really excellent condition, like they'd never been played in box, like with, you know, covers, like with cases. And um, 
yeah, the whole thing was pretty good. Another guy who responded on the same thread that he had ordered one as well, I guess his came in like a beat up cardboard box. The system didn't turn on. It had huge gouges in it. So he had to send his back. So I think I got pretty lucky. So, um, so yeah, I've been futzing around with the Wii U. I played through all of Super Mario 3D World, which I think is my new favorite 3D Mario game. It was so fun. Like it did so many new creative things. At, at like all the way from the very beginning of the game through to the very last world like they were like innovating and doing like new things and new level layout stuff it was just really really creative I'd, I'd heard that that was a game that people really liked and were shocked that it hasn't been ported to switch yet but um but yeah that was a lot of fun and because mario levels tend to be pretty short it was just something i was able to chip away at over the course of many weeks so now i'm very slowly scouring like game stops and stuff like that to find out you know what what worthwhile titles were on the Wii U that I can now pick up. Uh, I have about eight of them. My guess is there's about, I don't know, 10 total. <laughs> that thing was not around for very long. But um, but it's cool. I, I like playing games on the control pad. It, it's like playing on a Switch, but you can't walk 30 feet away from your television, which is dumb, but was probably very innovative at the time. Um, so that's been <laughs> pretty fun. Uh, I also took advantage of Game Pass to um, play through uh, Plague Tale Innocence which was a game that I, we had written to each other about it at some point. Maybe just the fact that it was coming to Game Pass, I forget. It was something that was yes. kind of and on my I, radar I'm, a little bit. I'm interested in playing it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, it wasn't it anything. I, I, I'd heard a couple people at the end-of-year lists from 2019 like just kind of mention it in passing. It was nobody's favorite, and nobody, I don't think, you know, kind of ranked onto their top ten, but just basically a third-person uh, sort of action stealth game where you play a young girl... Um, who's sort of tasked with protecting her little brother during the bubonic plague in 15th century France. So that's kind of a unique setting for a video game. Um, and it's basically just a stealth game throughout. There's like very limited combat. Um, the main thing you're doing in the game is just avoiding rats because rats are bad, rats have the plague, and if rats touch you, you die. And um, the sort of rat swarm technology was pretty impressive. Um, it's worth doing for that. By the end of the game, it gets incredibly stupid as far as where the plot goes and the you know, quote-unquote powers that the rats develop as the game goes on. But you little brother basically ends up being a psychic Jedi, and it's it's dumb. It's real, real dumb, but kind of fun. So <laughs> I think if you have Game Pass, definitely check it out. If you have money and think about buying it, maybe don't do that. Um, I'd say rent it at Redbox, <laughs> but that's not a thing you can do anymore, so... Don't do that. Maybe if you have a Gamefly subscription, you could rent it. But yeah, I, I don't think it's... It would be worth, you know, five to ten bucks maybe if you got it on sale. But definitely a Game Pass, is, it's it's worth checking out. But other than that, I've been mes mainly messing around with a bunch of old stuff. Um, and when I say old stuff, I mean going back to, like, Game Boy. For some reason, I got it in my mind. I started watching these tutorials online about how people um, can mod old hardware. And I, I sort of became obsessed with that. So I sent you guys a picture at some point that I had found. I had two Game Boys, original Game Boys, um, in my office, neither of which work. And I don't really even know if either of them were actually mine. I don't know where I got them from. But um, through going through some of these tutorials of resurrecting old hardware, I was able to get both of them to work. Um, one of which with a sort of perfect screen and one of which which still had some messed up lines and stuff on it. Any of you guys who had Game Boys as kids might remember that those screens would occasionally get vertical lines on them. It was really annoying. Um, mm -hmm. I now know that that was because of a soldering issue that would fall apart as it got older. There are ways around that, ways to fix it. So I had ordered um, some hardware to mod the system to have a backlight. 
uh, so that you could basically play it at night. That was the biggest problem with the Game Boy, you couldn't see the stupid screen. And I went through the whole process and ended up breaking the screen <laughs> as a result. And I was so frustrated. So I sent you guys the pictures of how I didn't break it like breaking a glass. I broke it by disconnecting something. The ribbon cables that you have to kind of take apart in the inside of the hardware are really, really fragile, really sensitive. So even though I knew that, I, I must have been too rough with it at some point. So um, the part of the story that you don't know already was that I then subsequently started ordering old broken Game Boys off of eBay. So I was able to repeat this process over and over and over again and have continued to bring Game Boys back to life and then kill them by trying to fix their screen. <laughs> so I'm going to take a break from that now because I'm so unbelievably disappointed in myself uh, because those things are not in an unlimited quantity and they're not expensive, but they're not super cheap either. So at like 20 bucks a pop, it's not worth it for me to just continue to keep like turning through these things, trying to make this stupid mod work. Somebody has since, uh, just within the last couple of weeks, released a new really high res um like lcd replacement screen that negates the entire process that i've been going through so at some point i'll pick one of those things up and put it in a a new fresh shell with new buttons and stuff but i also have um picked up a game boy color and a game boy pocket and an original game boy advance that i'm all hoping to mess with the screens of so yeah i, I probably could have bought like an xbox one x for the amount of money i've spent all this stuff but you're it's like a weird yeah. nerdy doctor Frankenstein right now yeah and I think it's part of the um the part of me that had been like spending a lot of time building Gundam models recently and I, I've kind of fallen off the wayside I think it's that same part of my brain that it's occupying and it's cool and it's fun and I I think that and it was funny because even though I can use the Game Boy whose screen is not perfect once I've got it and it's working I kind of look at it and go okay cool well now what I don't really want to play with this thing. <laughs> so but it was it was fun to fix it but i did play through some old games i finally played through the second uh super mario land game six golden coins which i had never played through as a kid um i went played this through the sequel of um the, the second castlevania game that came out for game boy which was just as terrible as the first one um and then just messing around with a bunch of fighting games on my ps3 when i got sick of that so that's been what my gaming thing has been <laughs> recently. But but I will mention, to follow up on um, on something that you've talked about on the show before, I did just this evening, actually, on my way home from work. I'm out of town right now for work, but I, I stopped by a, a video game store on the way home uh, because there's a sale right now that I picked up uh, a $15 copy of Civ Six for Switch. So I figure for that price... I'll, 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 I'll take a look at it. I watched some videos. I was like, this looks mildly interesting. I could get into it. So I'm, I'm going to give Civ a try and, and see what I think of it. So I've never really spent any time mm -hmm. with that series at all. I've watched friends play it. I know the basic setup, but um, yeah, we'll see what I think. I was like, for 15 bucks, new copy. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll give it a try. If I don't like it, I'll sell it. But, um, but I know you really got into that game, so I'm going to give it a shot. Oh, yeah, it's addictive. At least for me. <laughs> yeah so we'll see so that's what i've been up to what you've been up to um yeah so not necessarily a, a ton of variety for me i did uh i don't know if i mentioned i don't know if i'd finished it by the time we did our last episode but i did finish uh gears of war 4 oh yeah um it was it was fine it was it was just more gears of war so it it, it was kind of like it was fine like i enjoyed it but it, it was a little bit just kind of like oh it's just more gears like the story really wasn't all that uh hugely compelling the characters weren't as good as the originals the originals popped in here or there as little like uh cameos to an extent 
So, I mean, the fact that I paid it through Game Pass made it fine. But if I would have had to buy that at like full price, I could see myself definitely being disappointed with it. Yeah. Uh, there was just also a lot of levels. I hate when games do this, where I understand you're trying to break up like the possible monotony of just doing like the same stuff. Like if your gameplay isn't exactly like if you look at Gears of War, the gameplay is pretty basic. You know, it's a cover based shooter and it's kind of the same thing as you go through. So they try to add in little levels where you're doing something different, like you're on a vehicle or you're, you know, doing like a tower defense or just whatever. And there's several of those throughout there. And most of them just are not very good and take you out of it. There's a lot of ones where you're rushing down like a pipeline or something and having to avoid obstacles while also shooting things. Those can be very frustrating. It reminds me of the old level in Battletoads that everybody hated where you were on the little speeder bikes. And it was the most notorious level of all time. Yep. It's kind of like that. Um, there were a couple of levels that were like basically just the horde mode, which I liked that. I was like, okay, this is still you're doing the basic gameplay, but in a different way. I think that's a better way of doing it than totally changing the entire gameplay. Anyway, so it was fine. You know, I'm looking forward to playing five through Game Pass. So, you know, I've heard pretty good reviews about the story and everything for that one. So I'm excited to check it out. I did also play through, I believe it's Rise of the Tomb Raider. That's the second one, right? The second one. That's right. Yes. So I played the Rise of the Tomb Raider. Um, I liked it. I liked the Tomb Raider games. They're not spectacular. Like, you know, once again, I played it through Game Pass, which was fine. I don't know that I really would have paid a whole lot, maybe like 10, 15 bucks, if I'd say so for it's if you really love the Tomb Raider games, it's really good. But and I like them, but they're just not there's nothing spectacular about them. Uh, I was a little disappointed, though, because Shadow of the Tomb Raider was on there as well, and I planned on jumping into that one next, but uh, it got taken off literally like the day I finished Rise of the Tomb Raider. So, oh, well, I'll just have to wait and move on to Gears 5. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. I also did um, I did pick up the Division 2, you know, because it went on sale big time, as I'm sure many of you know, uh, with the new DLC coming out. Uh, But I've only really dipped my toes in that. I, I had couple of friends including chris you uh who had picked it up so uh you know i was looking to like kind of jump on it's definitely a game you obviously it's better with a group um so i'm just kind of waiting for you know kind of the group to gather up before i really dive into that and other than that i i am on my i started my fourth playthrough of pillars of eternity dead fire your fourth um, playthrough for, yeah for several reasons one of which being the game is amazing i enjoy playing it um, but also I wanted to try out the new turn-based mode, you know, it was out of beta. Mm. So I wanted to do a, a, a playthrough with that, which is really fun. I'm really enjoying it. It does make combat take a little longer. I know some people said it makes combat easier. I don't know if I would say that 100%. I think it depends on the battle. Some battles are, are definitely easier, um, but other battles are not. Because you do find that with the turn-based, you blow through your abilities a lot faster because you're just about using one every time you have a turn for your character Mm. so you could find yourself if you're in a long lasting battle getting pretty quickly through all your abilities and then just being stuck with your auto attack and if your characters aren't really powerful just with their basic attack um, or not really it's not an auto attack anymore because you do like each turn but anyway their basic attack if it's not that powerful then you could find yourself getting overwhelmed pretty quickly um and then also there's a new they added in a bunch of new uh a storyline stuff where because in the game as you're playing through you can either choose to follow like a faction or you can choose to go on it on your own and you're in in that playthrough it's kind of assumed you're like serving the gods or something so they added in more uh dialogue options between you and the gods and and to kind of feed more into that storyline they also just made it a little bit more difficult 
it used to be you pretty much just had to buy the highest level like armor and stuff like that for your boat. So you really didn't have to do that much other than just make a bunch of money. Now they made it where you have to find all these rare crafting materials in order to actually craft those hmm. things. So you actually have to search around the world and do stuff. And it, it makes the, the game a little, little bit more broad when you're doing that playthrough. So I wanted to do that just to try it out and see how it went because I've done all the factions. So now I just need to, to try that out. So, but yeah, still really enjoying that game. Still loving it. Um, would would highly suggest it. It is out on console now. Uh, I did try out the first one on console through Game Pass. I will say that game just does not work the best on console, in my opinion. But if that's the only way you're going to get to play it, it still is a great game. Both of them are, so I would I would suggest it. But yeah, I need to get back to that. So yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I am kind of curious just because you know, with the third one, I'm assuming coming out in the distant future will more than likely be a microsoft exclusive uh hopefully like coming out on game pass like day one so you know if if because of the fact that now they're under microsoft if they have all this extra money so they're able to boost up their graphics to it my pc might not be able to handle it so then if i have to get it on console i was just kind of curious to see what that would be like for that kind of a game right and i don't know if they work out the controllers a little better maybe in the future but it just the first one does not work that well or at least not compared to a pc Right. And is that, but I mean, is there anything really significantly different in the, the way that the control scheme is set up for the sequel that would make that any different? It's probably pretty much the same thing, right? For PC. I mean, I guess the only thing I think of is if they came up with a better way of doing it or if they made sure that it is mouse and keyboard compatible. Cause if uh, I could yeah. plug a mouse and a keyboard into an Xbox, you know, and play it that way, it'd be totally fine. That would work perfectly. But there's a very, very select few of games that, put it out as mouse and keyboard compatible on on console so sure. but in the future that might be different they might be pushing that more for for games or something so i don't know gotcha um so yep that has been been my gaming activity for the past month ah. but speaking of uh you know games that are coming out in the future ha <laughs> segue uh the topic we kind of wanted to 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 you know, speak on today was one that I kind of had thought up just there's been a lot of stuff over the past, God, I'd say year, even a couple of years where, you know, there's been games or hardware, you know, that are coming out and they, they build up a lot of hype around them, you know, and everybody's going out there and pre-ordering them, whether it be for bonuses or just because you're loyal to the company or excited about the game or the hardware or whatever. And, you know, you pre-order it, you put that money down and the thing comes out and it's just a huge disappointment or it's not completely finished or it, you know, gets delayed or, you know, whatever the case may be. And, you know, the, the question that I have, and it's, it's one that I've heard plenty of, of people also bring out is, is it still a good idea to pre-order things just in general? Or, cool. you know, is that kind of allowing game companies and manufacturers and stuff kind of almost reinforcing the behavior of not putting out a finished quality product you know because they're getting all that money up front so do they really need to like make sure that it's really great when it comes out or you know do they like oh we already got our money so let's just put it out there and see what happens right so that's kind of the the subject i wanted to to bring up uh for us to discuss this evening for your uh, listening pleasure so um, I'll go ahead, you know, Chris, if you want to just start off, if you have any thoughts or maybe any any kind of recent experiences you had with 
pre-ordering or choosing not to pre-order that worked out or didn't work out for you or so what I was strong feelings when I was trying to remember when we first talked about using this as a as a subject was I was trying to remember when I first became aware of when video game pre-orders were a thing and I was kind of poking around on the internet trying to see what information I can have it's not like there's a a written history of the of video game pre-orders so it's a little bit sketchy it seems to be something that started around the 2000s somewhere can you remember personally when you you have a like an early memory of when that was something that was either pushed on you or when you first became aware of when that was a thing can you remember when you first heard about that i i want to say as far as i can remember i don't think pre-orders really started until like maybe 360 kind of time frame yeah i don't remember it for the original xbox that sounds right because when i I was thinking back to games that i was like really super looking forward to of that that previous generation so i'm thinking about stuff like metal gear solid 2 or um for ps2 or maybe like resident evil 4 for the gamecube i don't ever remember that being an option i don't remember that being a thing that was something you could talk about but i do remember into that 360 your ps3 like thing i feel like if you would go to a game store you couldn't get out of there without somebody asking you if you wanted to pre-order something and then so it was the combination of that Mm -hmm. and then i remember seeing in stores that would start and this is probably still a thing you can get where there'd basically be these little cards like hanging next to the games that would be like pre-order cards for specific titles, which seems really weird. I guess this is before, you know, digital distribution and stuff like that, but you know, that you could sort of purchase this little, I don't know, a card or something for like either a dollar or for $5. And that was sort of your, your down payment on things. So I, yeah, I mean, it was probably somewhere around there. I'm trying to remember the first time, that I would have actively pre-ordered something. And I don't think this is the first example, but I can remember the same day that um, Mass Effect 3 came out, um, there was a title that came out for the Wii called Xenoblade Chronicles. And that was a big deal because that was a, a Wii RPG that had been out in Japan and there was this sort of weird fan movement um, within the Nintendo community for uh, Nintendo to localize and bring to the U.S. these these three game titles, which no one will remember, but I'm broken, so I will remember that it was Xenoblade Chronicles, a game called Pandora's Tower, and a game called The Last Story. So um, GameStop actually picked up the distribution rights in North America to Xenoblade Chronicles. So I remember I had pre-ordered that. So it was really weird because the day I went to go pick up Mass Effect 3, um, which I was excited about. I also had to pay 60 bucks for this other game that I had like forgotten that I had pre-ordered and then never actually got around much to playing other than just a little bit. But I, I remember being excited that this, what was supposed to be a cool game was coming out. Um, and then ever since then, I feel like it's just been this constant sort of thing going on in the background. Um, I think what is coloring my opinion of it nowadays is that you know, my general thinking for quite a while was that the pre-order would not be something I would ever consider at all unless it was essentially a game that there was no way I was not going to buy the day that it came out. So something like the third Mass Effect, which I funnily enough, I did not pre-order that game, but I did buy it the day it came out. So 
I guess in my mind, I thought of it as just something that was like, you know, a, a fun way to guarantee that I had a title waiting for me, which was ridiculous because most of those games, it's, it's not like they're in, you know, rare supply. Um, but every now and again, there'd be some little pre-order thing, some little tchotchke or some in-game thing that I would probably not even remember to redeem. But um, but I don't think it's a, something anybody ever talked me into or something that, you know, I, I was convinced to do. Um, I'm trying to remember when we went through the kerfuffle of deciding how we were going to play Destiny when it came out. I remember there was a lot of like 11th hour shifting because I didn't, you, you had it pre-ordered it on 360, right? But then eventually ended up changing to PlayStation. Uh, so yeah, I think it was originally I'd ordered it for 360 because that was the main console I was playing on. Right. But then everybody I knew who was playing was getting it for PS3. So I switched it over to PS3 and then... Or no, no, I'd switched it over to PS4 because I had just picked up one. I just picked up a PS4. Ah. But then they turn they they put out the thing where if you got it on a PS3, you automatically got the upgrade for a PS4. So then I switched it to a PS3. Right. Because <laughs> I remember I had to switch it like twice. It was ridiculous. <laughs> right. And, and and so I'm thinking about like a process like that, like something like that. And I don't even think this was the case, but maybe if my belief was that you know, pre-ordering this game would secure my ability to get another version of it for a future generation, then sure, that seems like a fantastic deal. I'm sure that was just something that became available to everybody. And which mm -hmm. is just this week, uh, Microsoft has clarified that that is how games will work for their new system coming out at the end of the year, is that if you decide to buy, you know, Cyberpunk 2077 on the Xbox One, the day it comes out, you know, once it becomes available for the newer system, you'll get that copy as well for free, which is great. Um, but, well, uh, I think that was just that was just CD Projekt Red saying that for Cyberpunk. Sure. I don't know that that's a universal thing that you get for free. I know, at I, least for my what I heard, it's only CD Projekt Red that said that. Yeah, and I think it's that the I think it was basically Phil Spencer saying, you know, this, and it's probably you know this is the way the pipeline works. So it'll it will ultimately probably be left up to the publishers to decide if they want to do that or not. And they did clarify for that title sure. that they would do it, which is good because that's probably the biggest thing coming out towards the end of this year um, or in September. And it totally makes sense that Xbox would do that with the mindset they have right now of this being more of a, you know, uh, you know, we just want you in the Xbox ecosystem. I don't think they really care anymore necessarily about console sales. I think they're moving away from that. I think they're moving more into just trying to get you into the Xbox ecosystem, whatever sure. that looks like. Um, and it also doesn't surprise me that CD Projekt Red would totally be on board with that because that just goes right along with their kind of mentality of being, you know, customer driven. So, right. Um, uh, it's, 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 yeah, it's definitely very cool to know that, oh, if you have that, then you'll get the more upgraded version, which kind of makes me, because I pre ordered it, I think, for my PlayStation 4. And now I'm sitting there thinking, like, oh, crap, maybe I should have gotten it for Xbox. Sure. No, I mean, that, that, yeah, <laughs> I hear you. But, you know, and other than that, like, I can't remember a time where I felt like pre-ordering, like, afforded me some great thing that I'm super happy I didn't miss out on. Like, I remember getting some, like, playing cards with Dishonored, and I have this stupid letter opener shaped like a katana from Sekiro. Um, but, like, it's nothing that I am, like, excited that I got to have or be a part of. So, I think ultimately... I've kind of 
soured on the practice. And it was funny because as we were talking about this, I literally Googled the phrase history of video game pre-orders because I wanted to see when it started. And if you look that up, this is what you get. You get a list of things that basically defines what a pre-order is. So pre-orders allow consumers to guarantee immediate shipment on release, that sort of thing. But then you scroll a little bit farther and you get uh, an article that says, okay, Amazon ruined its video game pre-order bonus for Prime subscribers. Then another article says why you should stop pre-ordering video games. Another article that says stop pre-ordering video games from Kotaku. And then uh, and the one that says seven reasons you should never pre-order video games. And <laughs> that list just kind of goes on and on and on. So I feel like the general tenor of this has soured for a lot of different reasons. Um, and looking through those lists, I think it's it's most of the kind of things that we talked about before. There's just so few kind of guarantees nowadays. And, you know, I'm... I make no bones about the fact that I, I buy an irresponsible number of video games like during any given year. Um, but I'm very, 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 very rarely paying you know, full price for those games. And more often than not, the games that I have in the last few years paid full price for, I have sort of regretted it at the end of the day um, with only a few exceptions. Like I did not need to buy Anthem the day before it came out, but there was a lot of reasons to believe that game was going to be amazing. I did not need to buy... Yeah. I guess I didn't need to buy Destiny 2, but I don't regret that because that was something we got to kind of all sort of experience together. And that's a game that needs that sort of thing. But, you know, other than that, like, I, I can't really think of, of anything that justified that that $60 price tag. And, and as I'm, you know, getting these updates on my phone about these deals and stuff, like, the time that it takes for a game to lower in price to at least 50% of what it launched at it kind of makes, it reminds me of when there used to be this like massive gulf between the time when a movie would come out in theaters and then when it would come out on video. And now it's like, I feel like I can buy the Blu-ray like a week after a movie comes out. Um, That's how Mm -hmm. fast it feels like game prices drop in general with a few exceptions. Like Nintendo games almost never drop in price and you know, they're kind of a weird exception. And a few publisher games Rockstar. tend to be quite expensive for most of their life. But, you know, like you mentioned, you know, depending on where you buy it right now, the Division 2 is either $3 or $5. Like it's, <laughs> and that's, I think that's them setting themselves up for some expansion pass sales. But, um, so that's a, definitely a weird exception. But it just, I, I, you know, I don't think it really makes sense to pay full price for games in general. So, to justify a pre-order, which is paying full price before the game even exists, just seems kind of crazy to me. So, I mean, but that's that's kind of where I'm at now. What's your history with it and where you feel like you've gotten to today? So, I mean, I was always really actually pretty big on pre-orders. I loved all the little things they would offer you. I would always sit there and go through all the different stores and and try to see who had the best pre-order and what you got. Like I loved how like on the PlayStation store, how you got new backgrounds for your your PlayStation. I loved how if you went to GameStop, you'd get like some kind of in-game item or, or whatever or some kind of new outfit. And there were certain game companies that I was like, if whenever this game company comes out, like Bioware, whenever this game company comes out with a new game, I, I'm I'm going to play it day one. It doesn't matter. So I'm going to pre-order it. And yeah, I think I fall into the same boat as a lot of people over the past few years where it's just I have been burned for that, especially, you know, speaking of Bioware. 
you know, while I will sit there and, and still say that Andromeda is not as bad of a game as everybody makes it out to be, I did in a lot of ways feel like I regretted pre-ordering it because in a way it does kind of, I think, you know, sent, set this precedent of like, oh, here, you already have my money. So it really doesn't matter if you put out a game that's finished, you know, I, you know, I want it now. Right. Uh, and then of course, you know, I pre-ordered Anthem because like, just like you said, I had a, the things that I'd watch and I'd seen and I'd heard about, I was like, no, they're actually going to do this right. Like this looks amazing. And the thing is the gameplay of it is really fun and amazing, but it's, it's just outside of that. It just falls hugely flat. And, and I think that's the thing. And there's so many other examples of this, like, you know, Fallout 76, uh, you know, Star Wars Battlefront 2. Uh, there's there's all these games and even look at Stadia that they even like platforms and hardware that, you know, they put out and it just it does not live up to expectation. And you have all these people that put down their hard earned money for it and yet not getting what it is they feel they paid for. And then they're they're demanding refunds and they're dealing with all this crap and it really does kind of make you wonder, you know, like, should we be doing all this? And while I would say for the most part, I would say no. I would say in this day and age, I feel like game companies and developers and manufacturers and stuff have gotten a little spoiled off of pre-orders. And it has allowed them to kind of get into this mindset of we can put out an unfinished game because we already have all this, you know, people who have already bought in. So I think for the most part that, yes, you should stop doing pre-orders. However, I do feel there is a benefit to pre-orders in that you can then support and send a message to companies that you do believe in and have faith in, and you know that you're going to get what it is you're paying for. So like with, when you look at Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire, uh, I was, I did, I backed their, 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 their Kickstarter thing or whatever, you know, I, I jumped in and put in for the full price of the game with that because I really wanted to play that game. I loved the first one. Uh, everything I'd seen on the second one looked like they were just continuing to do the same thing. I, I felt like I had a lot of faith in Obsidian because a lot of the games they put out, I've really enjoyed. So I went ahead and put that in. And by all means, I feel like I have gotten my money's worth and more because that game was only $35. Yeah. Uh, you know, I bought all this ELC. I, you know, went through, I played, like I'm on my fourth playthrough. You can also look at, something like cyberpunk like i trust cd project red to put out an amazingly polished game that i will dump hours and hours into so i feel safe enough pre-ordering that i also pre-ordered it because there was a deal on amazon where you got it discounted so that's i have that I same pre-order for the same reason i know exactly so i don't think i would have pre-ordered it yet um but i i I do feel like I, I might not have pre-ordered it because it's a game I would just buy, you know, day one after. Because nowadays with review embargoes and things like that, you know, you can usually see if a game has really, you know, jacked up. Like that's what happened with Andromeda. You know, the reviews came out and they were all like, this thing is a piece of crap. Um, but you can even look at games like Anthem and stuff where they kind of blocked a lot of the reviews and stuff from coming out. And that always, a lot of people always say, that kind of makes me worried that this thing is not like they're hiding something. And yeah, that 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 kind of seems to be the case a lot of times, you know. And I think it is just people are getting sick and tired of these, you know, game companies or the developer, or I mean, I should say the publishers behind them, whoever it is, doesn't really matter, you know, pushing out unfinished product. And I really think like a message needs to be sent, like that we're not going to tolerate that anymore. And I think the only way you can do that, that really communicates these people is to speak with your wallet you can go on 
you know, Twitter and Metacritic and all that kind of stuff and, you know, just bomb the crap out of them. But it's not really going to do anything if people are still buying the game and putting money down. Right. I think the easiest thing to do is just say, no, we're not going to buy your game until we see that you are actually putting out what it is that you say you're putting out. And then, and then once you, once you prove that this is what it is we're getting, then yeah, sure. Here, take all my money. No, I'll be happy. Like if Anthem would have come out and actually been what it was supposed to be. Yeah. I'm sure that that game would have probably gotten game of the year easily. It would have been hands down, especially with this past year. That was so weird. They would have made so much money off that game, but instead they, you know, they just put out this, the thing that it is. Uh, hopefully they can fix it, but I'm not holding my breath necessarily. <laughs> yeah, it's... but yeah, that's. But oh no, I was just saying. Say? It, it, as far as the 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 money making part of it is 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 tricky too because you know and and maybe this is kind of a an outlier given the um the property that it's based on. But when you I had I had forgotten uh, about Battlefront two, um and kind of the weird you know, process that that game went through. And, you know, part of the challenge there was that game kind of got raked over the coals for its microtransactions and other problems that it had. You know, that was one that I felt really good about paying, you know, $2 to rent and play through the entire campaign of in one day and say, yeah, cool. I got to experience that. I probably wasn't going to play the multiplayer anyway, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, that game was sort of, you know, seen as a disaster to where, you know, the, the head of Disney essentially had to, make a phone call to EA and go, what the hell are you guys doing with our license? This is a disaster. Make it stop. Um, that game sold incredibly well. So that was a bad oh, yeah. game that d- did bad things in a bad way and made EA a ridiculous amount of money. So, and part of, part of oh, that is pre-orders. Saying. Yeah. Not, yeah. not all of everybody's it. Everybody's saying Disney's, everybody's hoping that Disney's going to pull that contract, but a lot of people are saying, no, they're not because in the end, EA still sold a ton of games. Whether you look at the first Battlefront, the second one, even with all their faults, they still sold a ton. Jedi Old Rep- uh, what Fallen Republic or no Fallen Order? Jeez, <laughs> really stuck on the High Republic thing. Uh, Jedi Fallen Order has sold a ton, so I, I think it, Disney is probably just going to leave EA with it because you know Disney is a giant company. What do they care about most? Just like every other giant company, the bottom line. The bottom line is EA is selling games, which is making them money. Right. That's all they're really going to care about in the end. It, now, if EA continued to do these little kerfluffles that bought, like, you know, things of like, ooh, EA is trying to corrupt children. Eh, Disney has an issue with that, but are they completely going to pull that away? Because who even talks about that anymore? It's sure. not even in the the spotlight, you know, as much. So I, I don't really feel like, I, I think EA is going to keep it, unfortunately, and they're probably going to continue. They just canceled another game. So they're just going to continue to do that with Star Wars not producing anything but, you know, one good game and a couple of mediocre money grubbing things. Right. Yeah, I think that but. the that the I'm looking through, you know, sort of the so I had mentioned one of the articles I came across was seven reasons why you should never pre-order a game. So I'm just kind of going through it. and I think we touched on most of them, but they they do bring up some good points that are there. So, you know, I'll just go through this list real quick because it gives us something that's to kind of, What's that? This is, I just figured, do you want to mention the site just in case yeah, somebody wants to look it up? Uh, CheatSheet.com, which I've never heard of before. So apparently that was one of the top 10 re, re, uh, sort of returns of when you look up that phrase. So, you know, it, it, you know, it kind of gives a little background what pre-orders is. We know about that stuff. Reason number one why you should not pre-order. Uh, the game might be bad. The picture that's underneath that is the Order 1886. 
So, <laughs> eh, I mean, that game wasn't great. I mean, I think there's better examples than the right. Order 1886. But, you know, and we can say that having experienced the entire game, because, again, we both spent $3 to rent it for <laughs> 24 yeah. hours and play through the whole game. So, yeah, you know, I think when we reviewed it together, we both decided this game is not as bad as people are saying. But I also didn't spend $60 well, on it. So. It's not a $60 game. Yeah. We, yeah, I think we said it was like, what, maybe 30 35 something like that. Yeah, and it, it regularly shows up for between 4 to $6 on PSN. So who knows? Maybe someday I'll take yeah. the plunge and... And add that to my, but it's a good point. I mean, you don't ultimately know if that's going to be, you know, a good thing. So the other ones they mentioned that were similar situations, maybe that did or didn't stand out so well was Assassin's Creed Unity. That was raked over the coals when it came out as being super buggy. Uh, Call of Duty Ghosts, that was just kind of lackluster. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 5 apparently was a disaster. I wasn't uh, into that game at all. Mm -hmm. But that sort of the Assassin's Creed example is good because that's the second thing they list. Games are often very buggy or broken at launch. So... That's a fair point, too. So if you're excited about a game, and even if the initial kind of buzz about it, people who've spent time with it say it's okay, you know, we have a, a non-zero number of examples now from the last couple of years where the state that games launch in are just almost unplayable sometimes, especially for games with a significant online component like a Destiny or like an Anthem. I mean, I remember... Um, how impossible it was for us to even play that game when it was in open beta because you just couldn't log yeah. in. It just didn't let you. So as games become more and more dependent on things like online infrastructure, like y- you don't know if you'll be able to even log in. That's a bigger problem for people who are doing stuff like, you know, wanting to play a WoW expansion the day it comes out or something. But yeah, I mean, you can, I- I'm seeing more and more articles now saying like, yeah, this game is interesting. We think it's good, but it has some things to iron out. And, you know, a good, responsible PR team from a game studio recognizes those issues. It's probably stuff they knew about and didn't even have time to deal with or that they weren't able to test on the scale that they needed to. And it will get fixed. So I'm seeing more and more recommendations of, yes, this game is great. You should get it. But wait six months or wait three months or wait for a year, which is a really weird thing to say. Um because I don't even know, you know, very few games are going to have like the lifespan of something like Final Fantasy 14 or No Man's Sky that put a significant amount of time, money, effort, and energy into kind of trying to win back the hearts and minds of people after the fact, after their launch was less than stellar. You know, we kind of got something of a promise from Bioware that they're going to try to do that with Anthem, but no details mm-hmm. at all of what that's actually going to mean. So. I don't even think they know yet. No, 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 no. So who knows? We got a long ways to go to get that. That's right. Unless... To where it should be, <laughs> where it was supposed to be. That's right. Unless you're Bethesda, you can't really get away with the launching with that kind of level of bugginess in your games. Um, another thing, uh, is... not even Bethesda can do it anymore. That's true. <laughs> not after Fallout seventy six. They've burned. They've burned all of their goodwill. So the, the the third thing they list is something that you brought up, and you brought it up as a, as a positive. They listed it as a negative, was that it, it encourages pre order rewards. And I think the reason that they're listing that as a negative is that um, quite frequently those rewards are tied, like you said, to specific retailers. So then you get stuck in this weird game of, okay, uh, do I want to pre order? Yes. If I want to pre order, where do I go? So. For most games, all of that content is going to end up being available eventually anyway. Sometimes, most of the time, you probably have to pay for it. But 
I do think it is kind of crummy that if you get to the point where you're going to pre-order, you then have to make a decision of, okay, well, what stuff do I want to get? If I'm going to get this extra stuff, who gets my money for their exclusive extra stuff? It's it's kind of like a console exclusive now for games. Like if it's not from, you know, if a game is not made by Microsoft or by Sony, the fact that it comes out on just one of those systems kind of sucks because ultimately like, who does that really benefit other than that that shareholder? Like, if there's a game that comes out on Xbox that we can play and Jared can't play, that doesn't really benefit the three of us at all. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. There's never been a, a, a retailer-specific pre-order bonus that I've cared enough about for me to ever get too worked up about this. But you said that was something that you would look into. Uh, I mean, I... <sighs> I don't know if I would say it was a, a like a positive. I would say like back when that was a thing and a thing that I would do, it was I would always look around to see if there was something that I really wanted, like what was the best thing? Because, you know, if there was a game I knew I was going to pre-order, you know, I, I wouldn't just want to pre-order it anywhere without looking around because I might pre-order at this place. And, you know, all you get is like this little physical item that's a piece of junk this place you might get a really cool in-game item or at this place you might actually get a really cool physical item that's nice so yes i i agree with what it's saying is that it did also very frustrate me when there might be something at store a that i really like but also something at store b that i really like and i would i would like to have both of them but i can't you know because i can only pre-order from one place and i'm not buying two copies of the game so i i do agree that i don't necessarily think like I don't think it's a positive thing. I don't want to automatically say that it's a negative, but I could definitely see where it could become a negative thing. Sure. And since I don't really feel, unless you are 100% um, down with backing that company and you trust that company, and even that you know, can go badly, like with Bioware, I, I don't think you should be pre-ordering or contributing to a game until it is out. So... I don't think pre-order bonuses should even matter. And in a way, they should probably go away because people shouldn't be pre-ordering. So companies shouldn't be sitting there trying to almost bait you into it. I think companies should say, this is our game. If you trust us enough, then pre-order it. We shouldn't have to bribe you into pre-ordering it. And and all those little extra items, you know, just put those in the game. Like, you know, stop trying to bribe us into pre-order. Just give us the items and just let your game speak for itself. I think that's what like CD Projekt Red does. They let their game speak for themselves. They don't sit there and put all this extra crap and everything like that. They're just like, here it is. This is our game. Right. You know, <laughs> it is kind of funny too. Cause I'm thinking about, you know, what some of those like bonuses were and every now and again, like I'm, I, I am finding myself in game stops more than I feel proud of that I am because it is one of the few places that I can still find, you know, like PS3 and 360 and now Wii U titles that I don't otherwise have. But I'll, I'll sometimes catch myself listening to like kind of their little weird sales spiel television show that's always on in the background. And th- some of the stuff mm-hmm. they'll talk about with pre-order bonuses, like I can remember like something about like pre-order Mass Effect 3 now and you'll get the Mark IV Cerberus Flame Armor. I was like, what? That, those words mean nothing to me. Like, what does that even mean? So it's like, you know, if it's something like if you pre-order Arkham Knight, you'll get 1966 Batman character skins. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, okay, like I know what that is. But when it's something that's like specific to the universe of the game that I haven't played yet, it is kind of like a weird thing to kind of like say, oh, cool. I I guess I get a thing and I don't really know what that is yet, but maybe I'll get to see a picture of it. So, okay. But... (laughs) 
So, okay, another thing they list, uh, and uh, four, number four and number five are kind of tied to each other. Um, number four is delays. And that makes sense because I think one of the stupid things that I do remember seeing you know, when watching things like the Game Awards or um, E3 press conferences is, you know, if I'm on the internet at the same time as I'm doing this thing, you know, they'll announce that uh, Bethesda just announced that they are officially working on Elder Scrolls Six. And then I get a notification on my Twitter profile, go to GameStop and pre-order Elder Scrolls 6. That game's not coming out for seven more years or something. Like, why? I don't even have a release date. All there is is a logo. I don't even know what system it's coming out for. Exactly. But but these these retailers will give you the opportunity to pre-order it. So, you know, it's one thing to have us pre-order, you know, Cyberpunk when there was this cool $10 off sale on Amazon. We knew basically when the game's coming out. It's been delayed since then. Not significantly, mm-hmm. but, you know, this that's very different than us having, you know, imagine if we had pre-ordered, you know, The Last Guardian or Final Fantasy XV when those games were first announced. Like, they've gone through multiple hardware generations. And depending on how the pre-order works, you know, at, at some point you are, you're giving a company some amount of money which, you know, sometimes it's a dollar down or $5 down. Some places make you pay the full amount of the game as a pre-order, um, which I think is kind of crazy. But um, that ties right into their number five, which is it's a bad financial move because essentially what you're doing at that point with no guarantee of what this money is actually going to pay is you're, you're giving the company an interest-free loan to do whatever they want with your money in that time. So um, I was thinking yeah. about, you know, the the only exception to this I can think of, and it's probably the only way I would still do it, would be using someplace like Amazon as the, the, the place I would order it from. And that's only because Amazon's policy is they only charge for items once an item ships. So, you know, and the other reason that I think it's a pretty good deal, if it's something that I feel like is going to be worthwhile, is I can cancel it almost up to the last minute if I change my mind and then no money has changed hands. And if from the point at which I pre-ordered it until the release date, there happens to be another discount or another sale of some sort, I will get locked in for that new lower price, which I think is pretty great. So I've had that happen with a couple of like books that I've pre-ordered before. There ends up being a random sale before it comes out and then I get the new sale price. So that's, that's a pretty good move. But then other than that, I mean, you're basically giving somebody money with no guarantee of anything that you're going to get. So just as a very basic financial move, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, but I don't think it's fair of them necessarily to put delays out there as a reason to not pre-order a game. I mean, there's so many better reasons, but it's in the end, it's it's delays would be a good thing because, well, and delays stink. Whether you pre-order a game or not, if you're looking forward to a game, you're going to be bummed out it gets delayed. You sure. know, because like I didn't pre-order The Last of Us Part Two but I'm still bummed out it got delayed. But at the same time, I understand that the reason they're delayed is because they're trying to make sure it is it's doing what it is that we're asking the companies to do, which is not put out a half-finished piece of crap. So I, I don't necessarily feel like it's a good idea to say like, oh, delays are a bad thing in a way, because no, delays are, are for the most part, actually really a good thing because it ensures that the game that you buy when it does finally come out, if you choose to do so, is going to be actually worth what it is you're paying for it or at least theoretically it's more likely to be because they're taking the time to to polish it yeah i think the only time that the argument kind of holds weight is when you're talking about those really weird outlier examples of a game gets announced 
uh, a game goes up for pre-order and then the game either gets delayed for an unlimited number of years or ends up not coming out at all. At which case, I would assume you're more than welcome to get your $5 back. I can't think of a time that anybody I know has pre-ordered a game that never ended up coming out. But um, but yeah, I mean, it, there are not that many, you know, Last Guardians out there or that, you know, or Kingdom Hearts 3, which was announced, you know, 12 years ago, but then just came out last year. Wasn't it like a, there was a System Shock, like remake or sequel or something that was in the works that people had always put down for this Kickstarter and then it ended up getting canceled? Oh, yeah. And yeah, so Kickstarter, that's a much riskier proposition because at that point you could put in any amount of money that you want with absolutely no guarantee. And then that those people are under no obligation to give you your money back. So that makes something like that makes a, a video game pre-order yeah. look pretty good. <laughs> so the last sort of thing that they have listed, number seven doesn't really count. And I'll tell you why in a second. But number six they have is nowadays something that makes it a little different is there's there's no risk of missing out. And they have a picture of Mario Paint for the Super Nintendo. Uh, which was a game that was in really, really short supply at the time that it came out. There was a time, I remember, in the 16-bit generation that there was a chip shortage where cartridges became really expensive. So games like Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger ended up costing at least $90 as a regular price for a video game, which is crazy. But um, but they're yeah. saying, you know, nowadays, this is sort of a... It's a false shortage to say that was going to happen. Um, unless you're going to order something from a game like for a, from a company like Limited Run Games that does physical releases of usually either really obscure titles or titles that have previously only been available digitally, um, there's a very little chance that something is not going to be available for you when it launches. I mean, I assume if you're into some really weird you know, JRPG or visual novel or something that is not going to be something that anybody really reviews or pays attention to, or if you are really excited to buy your daughter, you know, Barbie Horse Adventures 9 or something for the PS4. Um, yeah, I mean, at that point, you might not be able to walk into any retailer and order that. So that could make sense. Um, my example of Xenoblade Chronicles for the Wii, that might have been a, a title that was only available as a pre-order. I don't remember if they actually ever stocked it on their shelves. So I think that was one of the reasons I did that. But now that we have online retailers, you know, the, any store I could go into buy, I can also buy that stuff online. There's basically no chance that you're not going to be able to find a game when it comes out. So, yeah, if you're if the reason you're pre-ordering is because you want to guarantee your copy, that's not a really strong argument you can really make nowadays. Everything is available all the time everywhere. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, it just with digital, yeah, you can, and also it's, you can get it right away. You know, it used to be also you wanted to pre-order a game so you could go pick it up like at the little like, you know, launch event and come right home and play it. But now it's, you can, you know, buy it online and then preload it and then it's literally ready to go. Yeah, no, definitely. And they do mention the final thing that they mentioned, which is not a seventh reason for why not to order. It's it's sort of an exception. And it's it, and that's just, there are exceptions to this rule. So like I mentioned, you know, there are games that maybe are going to be released in a relatively small quantity because it's not going to be a popular title. So if you knew that ahead of time, maybe that's something you'd want to pre-order. Um, they give the example of when the, the last South Park game came out um, for PS4 and Xbox One, the Fractured Butthole they, um, you know, the pre-order bonus for that was a digital copy of the previous South Park game, which at that point you couldn't get on those newer systems. So if you're kind of interested in it, that's a pretty 
enticing pre-order bonus to instantly have access to an entire game that you wouldn't otherwise be able to play on the system. So that's that's a pretty mm-hmm. good pre-order deal. I can't think of a lot of examples like that, but that would be one where it's maybe worth it. But yeah, I mean, I, I think at, nowadays the only argument I can really think of would be you know, using Amazon either because of the reasons that I listed before or or because of the fact that, you know, if you pre-order something through them, you're basically guaranteeing yourself a copy. And um, I think I had sent you guys a couple years back um, that somebody on one of the big gaming sites had put out a, a an article basically outlining, you know, how you could essentially put these new systems on layaway just using Amazon because since you're not getting charged for it until it comes out, you can essentially, you know, add gift cards periodically to your account balance over the year or however that you have it pre-ordered so that when it actually launches, you have essentially saved enough money to buy the things. Granted, human beings have the ability to save money on their own, but I guess this is a way to kind of force yourself to do it in a way that uh, that allows you to do it. So that's the only way nowadays I think any of that stuff really kind of makes sense. And I mean, I've had to come to a point where, you know, there are certain games that I'm going to want to get but if I don't think I'm going to immediately jump on it, like there's no, there's no reason for me to think about getting it at launch or even to pre-order it. And I mentioned to you when you came up with this idea for the show that um, I had a recent example. So I just, I just canceled a couple days before it came out my pre-order for uh, the Yakuza collection, which just came out for PS4, which is basically sort of remastered versions of Yakuza 3, 4, and 5, which... Um, now would mean that that entire series, zero through six, were available on the same system. I own physical copies of those other four Yakuza games. I have not even opened any of those games because I'm an idiot. So I realized, wait a second, even though it's this cool day one packaging that comes with this art book and blah, 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 I am not going to play this game. It does not make any sense for me to pay 60 bucks for this package of things that I'm not even going to touch these games until I've played four other games first, which who knows when that's going to happen, if ever. And, and guarantee, you know, somewhere two, three months down the line, if I really want to, I'll be able to get this same package for about $30. So it, it just, it rarely, I think now makes sense even above and beyond pre-ordering to even pay full price for most games because sales happen so quickly and so frequently. But, um, but to pre-order something that I there's no guarantee I'm going to get to right away, it it just does not make any sense. So I'm actually pretty proud of myself for canceling that because otherwise I could have this thing sitting in my hands that just gets put on a shelf and gets ignored for years, which is just stupid. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that's the thing is I, I just think people, you know, just have to be more aware. And I, I think the good thing is, is now in this day and age with, you know, the internet and social media and YouTube and, you know, influencers and all this kind of stuff. I, I think it's really easy and accessible for us to get information and, you know, looks into a video game and really see it. And I think that will hopefully help people in the future to, you know, make the decision to kind of wait off on on pre-ordering or anything like that until they, they have a better idea. Yeah. But so, yeah, so so I, I thought overall is a, a pretty interesting topic and some good discussion. So hopefully we can continue doing this. You know, uh, like we were saying, this is kind of the new format that we're looking to to do uh, going on for at least the foreseeable future. So if you guys have any thoughts on on 
on this new format or other things you topics you might want us to discuss or if you if you do kind of want us to go back to doing a little bit more of the reviews if you really enjoyed that then please feel free to to drop us a line you know we're on twitter and and facebook you just look up the used gamers um just check us out and let us know what you think uh any kind of feedback is always really helpful if you guys just have questions or anything uh feel free to drop us on that and we will uh definitely try to get back to you with the next episode so uh but speaking of which i'm gonna go ahead and sign off we don't really have a topic yet for the next episode that might be a cool thing to have is be like this is what we're gonna talk about next time Ooh, maybe like try it. and get people to tune in yeah nice idea see this is something you guys could give us feedback in if you went to the, those other sites but you know i thought <laughs> of it before you so you're gonna have to think of something else now yeah take that <laughs> listeners all right well i'm gonna go ahead and call it for this evening so my name is mike i am chris and we are the Used Gamers, and we will catch you guys next time. Goodbye, everybody. I don't know if I really have a favorite. I mean, pasta is pasta. It comes in different shapes and sizes, but in the end, it's, it's still just freaking pasta. I mean, I, I know people make fun of, like, Mexican food because in the end, it's all the same. Like, whether it's a taco or a burrito or whatever, it's all the same. It's tortilla with either meat or beans or whatever and cheese, and it's just wrapped in different ways. Right. But I mean, the Italians don't have anything really to say either. I mean, it's it's freaking pasta. I don't. I mean, you could put different sauce on it, maybe meatballs or whatever. But in the end, pasta is just pasta. You know, some are long and skinny, some are bow tie shape. You know, some are short and round. But it's still just freaking pasta. At the end of the day, you know? pasta's pasta. Okay, uh, this <laughs> this is my final attempt. <laughs> <laughs>